How's it going, everybody? Uh, my name is Dermot Luchart. Uh, welcome to Mom, Dad, I'm a Thespian, the Thespian Society Troop 6910 podcast. Uh, I am the president of International Thespian Society Troop uh, 6910, as well as those of this podcast. And I am joined again this week by my wonderful co-host, uh, Eden Fay. Hello. I'm back. I'm better than ever. Heck, yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you this week, Eden? You know... It's been fine. Uh, AP test stuff is kind of kicking my butt. Um, Me too. But, you know, uh, other than that, it's been pretty good. Um, I have been watching a lot of Monk, which is great. Nice. A really good time. And, um, yeah, I haven't been up to much, but st I still feel really busy and stressed. So, you know. Yeah, it's that's honestly just kind of been the mood for all of online everything. It's been great. Okay, yeah. so to start off this episode of the podcast again, we have another question. Uh, this one is again from Yahoo Answers. But if you would like your question to be answered by us on the podcast, make sure that you send that question to uh, thespians6910 at gmail.com. If you send that question over to us, we will uh, see it, and we can have that be the question for the beginning of a different episode of the podcast. So yeah, let's go ahead and move into that question. Yeah. The question is, I need a song from a musical to use for my final exam for theater. Period, question mark. I'm having trouble finding a song from a musical, preferably a comedic one, but doesn't matter. And I need a more of a limited range because I'm not much of a singer, but it's for school, so I have to. If anyone has any suggestions, please help. Thanks. Okay. We've, we've all been there, you know? Yeah, um, definitely. Just, like, BSing something. I I mean, I've never BSed a song, but I have I have been like, oh, crap. Um, uh, this one. Um, and have to do that, like, the day before an audition. So I yeah. get it. I um so the way that i would go say to go about choosing musical theater songs for auditions is that what you want to do is make sure that you're picking a song that kind of complements your voice range and type um i know for me a lot of what i do is i'm a baritone who's auditioning for tenor roles and so i have to pick baritone <laughs> songs that go a little bit higher uh, so it just depends on what kind of role you're going for. I know for me, one of my big uh, go-to songs for auditions is I'm Not Wearing Underwear Today from Avenue Q because it's short and not super rangy, but also kind of shows off comedic character stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vibes, honestly. Yeah. Um, for me, so my thing is like it really depends on once again, yeah, your voice range. And the question says, like, I'm not much of a singer, so something in the middle. Um, if you're a girl and you're doing this. Or if you're someone with a higher voice. Yeah, with a higher voice. Um, which I feel like the reason I said if you're a girl is because I feel like um, even, like, men with higher voices, it's, it's like, okay, yeah, you can be a tenor. And I feel like I don't know why. But girl songs just suck, especially musical theater ones, because, like, there are so few songs that, um, that you're like, oh, I, I'm a mezzo. Let me, let me look up mezzo songs. And it's just, like, it, it's, 
it's so all over the place. Like you can have a mezzo song that's like a lower like song and you're like, oh, okay, this is just a little bit too low. And then you can have another song, like the very next song in the playlist that you're listening to is like, oh, that's just a little too high. And so I think that it's good that, I think comedic is a really, really good um, choice, especially if you're not that much of a singer and, or you're just a beginner because or if your voice range is just kind of spotty sometimes like i know for me i have days where i can hit things that are like a's and a sharps above the staff and i have days where i can't hit anything above an e depending on how my voice is feeling so exactly because i feel like with songs you know you there are times where you're like hmm this is definitely too high but you can like once again pull character through it instead and maybe like speak those things or like you know like comedy songs are a lot easier to kind of i guess bs your way through through singing them really yeah that you can't really like hit confidently i know for me what uh an example of that from like an actual stage production i was in uh i was in the adams family in my sophomore year uh I played Gomez Adams, who is a tenor part, and I am a baritone, was even more of a baritone then. Um, and the last note of, there's a song called Not Today, and the last note of that song is a, is a, is a note that is very high, and like kind of the point of it is that he's like, uh, it's really high, and it's almost kind of funny how intense he is about this like kind of trivial thing that has happened. Like, uh, So he, he goes up to the... Not today! It's a few keys higher than that, but that's essentially what the note is. Um, and so instead of doing that, I just yelled that note, that uh, <laughs> uh, phrase. Yeah. I, was, I was just like, not today! Uh, and yeah. I think it works fine to do stuff like that, especially if you're going for a more comedic song. So uh, a lot of what I would say is pick something that you like singing, because if you're picking mm-hmm. a song that you don't like, then that makes it hard for you to have the motivation to sing. Absolutely. I know um, I have a couple of books that I look through for uh, different songs, but there are just some of the songs that I just don't sing because I don't like singing them. Um, exactly. So, make sure you're, thinking, you're picking something you like, and if you're worried about the range, uh, just make sure that the stuff that you are uncomfortable with is stuff that you're okay with changing a little bit. And uh, I've never had a casting director or a director in general, after I've sung a song that I rewrote a little part of because it fit my voice better, uh, as long as you're doing, as long as you know what you're doing, and if you're speaking something, or if you have it go down instead of up, or whatever, um, as long as you kind of have made that choice intentionally, I've never had a director get mad at me for that. So Exactly. And I think that, once again, even if, I think that that can be taken for people who are used to singing and are like are like more trained in it even because if you think about it when you're going into an audition you're gonna like the person the casting director the director the musical director whoever even the pianist have probably especially if it's a more mainstream song like one of my go-to songs is she used to be mine right yeah and so that's just like a very mainstream song and especially if the um the like casting call you have you have to sing the same song as everyone else adding those little speaking parts or like changing it a little is going to make your audition unique and it's gonna make your 
it, it, once again, if it's intentional, it is going to make your audition stand out um, against all of these people who are coming in and sing, singing the exact same thing and then and reading the exact same thing and just leaving. Yeah. Character, character is always really important, especially in comedy songs, but in every song. Making sure your character is coming through is paramount. Uh, I've had, I've been in shows with people who uh, talked through entire sung numbers because they just couldn't figure out how to find the notes. But if it's a comedic song and they're doing it well, then it's whatever. It's just funny. Um, yeah. I've seen productions of uh, Les Mis where Tenardier never sings once in the entire show. Like, he just talks yeah. through his whole part. And if he's still being funny, then that's the point of the character. It's yeah, less go ahead. It's less that you can hit every note perfectly and more that you are embodying the character well. Um, so, yeah. specific songs are difficult to figure out. But um, uh, if, you're, if you're looking for stuff that's more, more like, comedic, um, I, I would say there's another song from Waitress... Um, I'll, I'll think of the name for a minute. Never getting rid of me. Uh, that one's also good. I was thinking the um, Dawn song. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when he sees when me. He... Mm -hmm. That's a that's a pretty fun uh, comedy song. There's a lot of room for um, either speaking parts. There's a lot of room for parts where uh, in the original recording in the music she just stays on the same note for a really long time. So if mm -hmm. you're trying to look on look for something that's not super super rangy. Especially mm -hmm. if you have, if you're just looking for like a small cut of a song, mm -hmm. figuring that out is fine, is perfect. That that is totally. Yeah. yeah, that is that is a good one. I feel like Waitress has a lot of good like. Here you go. This is good. Um, even. I didn't plan it. Is one that kind of comes to my head only yeah. because it is. It is a little bit. It's a little more difficult, just in the sense of, like when you're listening to the cast recording or whichever recording you're listening to or the Sarah Borelli's recording of it, like she does some wacky stuff, but that is such a good song because it's, it's, it's a pretty short song. Yeah. And, um, it's one where character can once again, absolutely take hold of what you're doing. And, um, and it is, it's a good showcase. It doesn't go great. It's not a crazy range, but it's a good showcase of like, okay, here are confident notes that I can hit. Yeah. Which is, again, you always want to show yourself in the best light in a situation where you're trying to pick a, an audition song or a song that you're performing for a class, that kind of thing. You're always wanting to make sure that you are shedding your, uh, putting yourself in the best light, which mm -hmm. is very good. So, um, Jordan, from 2010, I hope we've answered your question. I hope it helped. <laughs> I hope it helped you pick a, pick a song for your final exam for theater. Yeah. Um, I hope you passed, man. Yeah, I hope... <laughs> it's, been, I hope... It's, been, it's been a decade, okay? I hope that you're... Who knows? Jordan might be working professionally in theater now. We just don't know. If you're Jordan and you asked this question and you listen to this podcast, send us an email. At thespians6910 at gmail.com, and we will, oh. just to let us know how you're doing, what you're doing. Um, anyway, so why, why don't we start moving on to kind of the bulk of the, what I want to talk about today, which is, um, a lot of actors in town, a lot of people, uh, in town, out of town, just actors in general, have kind of been, 
hit with the issue of the fact that everything is kind of online now. And so acting is now for the camera a lot of the time rather than on a stage, just for yeah. the time being. And so I know that's a lot, that's different and it's kind of difficult to kind of transition for that. So I was thinking about kind of talking uh, today about our uh, experiences with uh, acting for the camera in various circumstances and how that has kind of help, helped us kind of change how we're going about various things and any advice we could have to impart to people who are doing that right now. Yeah. Um, well, I actually, I haven't had a lot of experience behind the camera. I have grown up doing like stage theater. I've been doing it for since I started theater, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely a culture shock, you know? Because you go from a situation where you're like, okay, I have to be loud. I have to be extremely expressive. I have to be, um, I have to enunciate really well. I have to make sure that I am getting my message out to an audience that when you're on stage is, could be five feet away from you and they could be 50 feet away from you, you know? Yeah. So you need to make sure that everyone can hear you, all this stuff. Versus now we go into things where like, um, for like our theater class, you have to record a song or something like that. And as someone who doesn't have a lot of like music equipment, realizing that, okay, I can't belt this at the top of my lungs because if I do that, the microphone is gonna like- Yeah, the microphone out, and then freaks it's out. gonna sound terrible. So like learning how to adjust your voice, your facial expressions too, because the camera is, right next to you it's right in front of you and it's not gonna like it'll it sees every single movement that your face makes and so having that new like having to really like flip your entire perspective and going from the huge picture of being like loud proud big i'm enunciating like crazy i'm doing all this stuff i'm letting it out to, okay, I have to be a little quieter and then I'm going to turn this music down and I'm going to have to just like be like, still get it out, but still be quiet. And I might have to step back from the camera, like all this stuff that just, you don't really think about when you're on stage. Yeah. Another thing that I think is definitely part of it is uh, that when you're working in front of a camera, a lot of the times it can pick up smaller things than anyone would notice that you're doing on stage. And so if you're doing things that are just kind of like seen as normal on stage, they might be seen as like enormous and like way too big. If you're doing it <laughs> with a camera that's a foot in front of your face can see everything <laughs> you're doing. If yeah. you're being that crazy with your facial expressions, which on stage might look totally fine from the audience. It just looks a little bit different from uh, that close. And also, <laughs> having like a microphone right in front of you ha little tiny voice inflections that might be lost to the enormity of an aud auditorium can mm -hmm. kind of still be picked up on and so it's a thing that i think tr takes practice but i think working on that kind of nuance thing can also really help your acting absolutely on stage because i think that a lot of things that separate good actors from great actors are that nuance stuff and when you're in yeah. an environment where you have like automatic feedback on this nuance, then working on that is a lot easier. Absolutely. And I think what like with singing too, like for me at least, 
uh, like when I'm singing this song that I've sung a hundred times and I record it and everyone's been there where you're like listening to yourself on recording you're like what what is that what, what do you mean but I feel like that's absolutely something like I have been able to like if there's a riff in a song that I've been singing like this and then I listen back to it I'm like okay three of those are flat and I start like a little weird and then like this happened at the end and then it does as it makes you like really have to think about exactly what you're doing so then you go back and you practice it and you do it slow and you're like and then yeah you're critiquing yourself so much that the outcome is 10 times better than it would have been if you were just performing in front of an audience that hadn't ever heard this song before or hadn't seen you perform before and so they just are kind of like yeah this is how it's supposed to go um so that's yeah i completely agree uh, there's also some other acting for camera stuff that's just a little bit weird. Because we, uh, so I, my capstone this year for the AP Academy was I wrote a television pilot, and the plan was that we were going to film it uh, and get it all situated, and then all of this happened. So <laughs> we ended up not being able to do that, but we still got uh, got it cast, and we're still, still able to do a, um, a read-through of it on Zoom, with that mm -hmm. cast, which was super fun. But a lot of the things that I noticed while I was researching that is that there's a lot of, like, different things that you can have as stage directions on uh, in a script for television than you can have as stage directions in a script for stage. Uh, one of my favorite moments in that script is um, uh, Shay, which is the character that you're playing, after um, a character named Joan... Uh, performs her monologue, uh, walks off, uh, kind of gives, kind of like gives you a little bit of a glance, and uh, she kind of uh, <laughs> smiles and blushes a little bit, which is something that's hard to convey easily on stage. It can be mm -hmm. done, and I've seen it done on done in productions before, but it is much easier to have a close up of your face where you have a small smile than it is for on stage when I'm in the sitting in the back row of Gamage to yeah. on stage. You have to be like, you're you have like, to just like, just like, yeah, distort the crap out of your face so that everyone can see it. Yeah. And that kind of thing, I think is also just a thing we kind of need to get used to as part of this is being able to kind of adapt the skills that we have learned from our experience in regular theater to an experience that we can keep going on for uh for acting on on the camera uh i've i've been a part of a couple short films that's another thing that is kind of the same essential principles there where you're trying to make sure that you're emoting in a way that the camera can see you but you're not seeming completely over the top mm -hmm. you're making sure that you can be heard but you're not trying to project like you would in the Cromer Auditorium at Flag High without a microphone. Yeah. Like, all that kind of stuff is just stuff that I think is becoming increasingly important to think about and mm -hmm. look at in our own acting. And I think that that's just kind of... This is a good time to look at that kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. like, you were talking about recording, um, recording songs and stuff. I have a YouTube channel where I post myself uh, singing occasionally. I have a, a, an Instagram page where I post myself singing occasionally. And on those, having a recorded 
uh, thing like with this microphone that I'm using right now to record the podcast, this microphone, uh, if I'm sitting, if I'm standing right here trying to sing that song that I usually would belt, I'm, mm-hmm. it's terrible quality when I, when I put that into like a garage band or something and I'm recording that mm-hmm. way. So it also kind of forces you to do one of the things that I think has been super healthy for my voice, which is not give 150% every time that you sing a song, because mm-hmm. that's a great way to shred your vocal cords and uh, make it so that you can't sing after you turn 25. So yeah. <laughs> kind of, I think this is a good time to kind of learn how to dial it back a little bit in a way that still sounds great and you're still p- producing enough sound and you're still projecting, but you're not hurting yourself in the process, which exactly. is a, th- a thing that I think I've struggled with, a thing that I've seen productions where I know that people have struggled with that and things that I've been in productions where I know people have struggled with that. So I think that's yeah. another thing to kind of think about. Definitely. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think so. Oh, I was gonna. I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> um, I was also a, a different kind of acting for the camera thing that I was a part of a couple weeks ago. Was uh, Theatricos is doing a new show called Live from the Theater Basement on every Sunday, where they're uh, doing like shows and interviews and stuff. And I was a part of a ten-minute play on there. And the character that I played uh, is under a desk the whole time. You never see his face. And so I was sitting at my house in my room doing this recording. And um, my the other actor in the show was at his house acting. We were on Skype. Um, and he was giving his lines and acting all around the room and uh, banging on the table. And I had to react as if the table had just that was above my head had just been banged on. And so I think... Uh, but that entire performance I had to give entirely using voice. Uh, so I had to, use, I had to like manipulate my voice to make it so that like, Oh, well you can tell what my facial expression is based on what i sound like. Like you don't have to see what I, what my face looks like in order to tell like, Oh, well I'm in pain or, Oh, I'm laughing at this guy or whatever. So that is, that's another thing that I think is super helpful. Uh, if you guys haven't been listening to uh, the, uh, Goodnight Flagstaff series that the library's putting out. Uh, a lot of the International Thespian Society kids, a lot of the drama club kids, we've been doing, we have done, we did a chapter in book one of Harry Potter and a chapter in book three of Harry Potter. We're going to do a chapter in every book from now on of Harry Potter. Um, but a lot of one of the things that we do there is trying to make sure we're, we're playing all of the characters. Mr. Smith does the uh, narration. One of the things we have to do is make sure that our voice sounds a little bit different for every character that we're doing because mm-hmm. they can't see our faces. If I could do completely different wig and makeup while I'm playing uh, Hagrid yeah. versus when I'm playing Professor Lupin, but um, you can't tell that when you can't see my face. And so being able to give them the different voices, uh, all right there, Harry, or... Uh, well, hello, Mr. Uh, hello, Harry. How are how are you today? That kind of thing. Uh, makes it a little bit uh, different. I think that's just kind of a fun thing to play with. Is it is, yeah. And that was the same with me on the Harry Potter thing. I played Ron and Draco for the chapter that we did in the first book, and it was it was like it was a, such a strange thing because I'm not that good at accents. There are people like like you and like Matthew who are just like 
incur like just weirdly great like just well, thank you yeah of course uh accents versus me i was like okay and so that was such a hard thing for me to do because i was like okay i can kind of do a british accent so i have to do a british accent for both of them but i also have to do like but for malfoy i have to make it just sound gross and malfoy because yeah and like and finding finding how i have to somehow take my one voice that that's all that i have i just have the one british accent that i know kind of how to do and having to split that into two separate voices was a very 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 hard and like nerve-wracking thing because you don't want like these kids listening to be like why does ron sound exactly like draco you know and yeah. you want to give them that like um uh you know performance and so that was that's definitely a hard thing and i have a lot of respect for voice actors now because ooh. yeah that's <laughs> intense heck? stuff mm -hmm. um Speaking of voice work, uh, this week on the podcast we have uh, Matthew Sutphin, who you who you mentioned, who is uh, play who he played uh, Professor McGonagall in the first chapter of that book. Um, in that uh, that first chapter we did. Um, so we have him today. He's going to be doing a uh, a little little exercise in some voice acting things. He's going to show us a lot of his voices that he does and. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and take that over to him. Hello, my name is Matthew Sutton, and today I will be performing Friends on the Other Side for you from uh, Princess and the Frog in ten different voices. Um, Maggie Smith or Professor McGonagall from Harry Potter, Mickey Mouse, Christopher Walken, uh, Rick the Hormone Monster from um, Big Mouth, <clears throat> Bobcat Goldthwait or Pain from Hercules, Maury the Hormone Monster also from Big Mouth, Alan Rickman or Snape from Harry Potter, Yoda, Kermit the Frog, and Bane, the Dark Knight Rises version, the Tom Hardy one. Alright, and without further ado, uh, friends on the other side. Don't you disrespect me, little man. Don't you dedicate or deny. You're in my world now, not your world. And I've got friends on the other side. Don't you get going, gentlemen. No, just a little something we have in Louisiana, a little parlor trick, don't worry. Sit down at my table. Oh, well, put your mind at ease. If you relax, it will enable me to do well on anything I please. <laughs> I can read your future. I can change your own son, too. I look deep into your heart and soul. You do have a soul now, don't you, Lawrence? Make your wildest dreams come true. Well, the cards, the cards, the cards will tell. Not the past, the present, and the future as well. Oh, the cards, the cards, just take me. Take a little trip into your future with me. Now you're a young man from across the sea. You 
you come from too long the lines of royalty. Your lifestyle remains high, oh, but your funds are low. You've got to marry a little honey who's daddy got to go. Get you ask money and daddy did. Now get hitched you must. It ties you down, hitching does. Freedom you want. Up from place to place. But green freedom takes. <laughs> it's the green, it's the green, it's the green you need. When I look into your future, it's not easy being green. Oh, you little man, I don't want to waste much time. You've been pushed around all your life. Shake my man! Oh, come on, boys! Won't you shake? Oh, poor Moses Rounds! Transformation Central! Modification Central! You're changing, you're changing, you're changing, alright! I hope you're satisfied! But if next you are, blame me, do not! Blame my friends! On the other side, you can! <laughs> Thank you so much, Matthew, for that wonderful, wonderful little performance that you just gave. That's super awesome, and that's a great example of all of the awesome things that you can kind of do while recording with your voice while you're kind of stuck at home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, that was great. Eden, uh, let's yes. go ahead and move on to that to our news segment where we talk about some of the awesome things happening in theater, both locally and uh, on a more national or global scale. Awesome. So today um, I have two things that I want to talk about. Um, so we're going to start nationally with Broadway. So obviously, um, if you haven't heard already, Broadway is currently scheduled to remain dark and closed through September 6th. Mm -hmm. And the return date is yet to be determined, which is very sad, obviously. Um, Definitely. But a lot of people are probably wondering what some of their shows, um, how they're doing, what's happening with them. And so, um, of course, Beetlejuice, right now, their status is closed. Um, it was scheduled to have its final performance on June 6th, um, but it had to um, effectively close and officially close um, because of the COVID closure on Broadway. So that's upsetting, um, but hopefully it'll be coming back around. Maybe we'll see it uh, not next season at Gamage, but maybe the season after we can get some of that action there. Um, 
And then we got a bunch of other uh, postponed shows. Uh, like we have Hangman, which is um, sounds really good. We have How I Learned to Drive. We had um, MJ, which was a Michael Jackson um, bio musical that was supposed to come out um, this season. Mm -hmm. um, but it will be opening when um, everything starts opening back up after yeah. Labor Day-ish. Um, but yeah, so that's some of the shows and what's happening there. Um, obviously, it's very sad that Broadway has yeah. to stay closed. But um, I'm... It, it's also... It's for, it's for the best, I think, in the interest of the public safety. But mm -hmm. that's, in, that's important right now. But yes, it's definitely sad that that's that they're 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 closed right now. Yeah, and so we'll just hope for um, we'll hope for a speedy uh, like I don't know. Um, well, what we do now actually about COVID in general is the Mother's Day thing that we talked about last week. Um, actually raised I believe over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Heck for yeah fund that um the covid fund that they were donating that to so if you and your mom uh logged into that uh and donated good for you um hopefully that can help open broadway sooner um and then the 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 thing you all were waiting for me to talk about yep. is the amazing amazing phenomenon that is coming to your disney plus at heck home. yeah i heard Hamilton movie um which so for people who don't know when uh the entire original lead cast as well as the majority of the uh uh original ensemble cast was still performing on Broadway during one like the last week that they were still performing they recorded they did a pro shot uh of the entire show so if you've seen like yes. the Newsies pro shot or if you've seen the Shrek yes. pro shot they did that but for uh Hamilton uh, starring Lin-Manuel Miranda, starring Tony winner Leslie Odom Jr., Tony winner David Diggs, etc., 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 etc. All of those people who you hear on the soundtrack. Um, the, They're coming to your house, baby. They're going to be on your TV. <laughs> yeah, so even if you missed Hamilton at the Gamage a couple years ago, or if you're not going to be able to go this next time, uh, if you have Disney+, Plus, or if you have a free trial for Disney+, Plus when it comes yeah. out on July 3rd, you can see Hamilton in your own living room. It's been oh. rated uh, PG-13, so if you're a little young, then maybe make sure with your parents on that. But I'm so excited for this. Me too, man. I was able to see it at Damage, um, which I was very thankful for. I think your parents hooked me up with the tickets. Um, so thanks, <laughs> thank you, uh, Lucharts. Um, Shout out to Mr. and Mrs. Luchart. Woo, the real G's. Um, <laughs> but I was able to see it live, and that was such an amazing experience. Um, it, the only problem was that, like, it was, I think it was one of the first Gamage shows I had ever seen. Yeah. And so I think, like, if you don't go to a lot of musical shows, it's kind of hard because, like, I barely remember anything, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that happens with a lot of live performances, you know? Like, unless you're, like, right up close or like you're used to the like seeing these professional productions so much is happening 
that I feel like for me, my brain just gets overwhelmed. And then I walk out of the theater and I'm like, huh? <laughs> oh, but like, I just sat there for two and a half hours and I don't, I don't remember anything. So <laughs> this, is, this will be a really good experience to see the show while not having that awful. That same. Um, yeah. <laughs> that same like, thing. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it's, this is also really exciting because um, Disney was supposed to release this movie and they announced to release it um, next year in October, but because of all the cancellation of live performances, as well as the uncertain appeal of movie theaters, um, they decided to fast track the film and move up the release date by 15 months. So now it's coming out um, July 3rd, which... Um, is obviously right before Independence Day. Yeah. And so it's just it's just going to be a really fun time, um, a really, really good family thing. So, yeah, make sure you stream the Hamilton movie on Disney Plus on July 3rd. Or Get excited about it. Maybe wait a day because, like... Yeah, if you want to <laughs> do it as a patriotic thing, stream it on July 4th. There you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that is freakishly awesome i'm super duper excited for that um and yeah there's a lot going on in theater right now a lot of things are uncertain but it's really awesome that so many people in the theater community are coming together and trying to just make things as positive as possible and so i'm really thankful for that and uh yeah stream yeah. Hamilton. <laughs> uh thank you so much eden for that uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Again, if you have any questions you'd like us to answer at the top of next week's podcast, go ahead and send them to thespians6910 at uh, gmail.com. So, but uh, without any further ado, uh, good night, good night. Parting of such sweet sorrow, and we'll talk at you next week. Peace.